Let us pray. As the deer pants for the water, Lord, our souls long after you. And so we come before you, Lord, expectantly, with a longing to receive from you. And we offer you ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our lives and our futures. And we ask that you speak to us now and give us ears to hear and lives to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're back in Acts. We're back in Acts. We took a break from Acts as we journeyed through Lent, culminating in Holy Week, and we celebrated the glorious Christian festival of Easter. But Easter isn't the end, it's the beginning. After Easter, lives are changed. The Holy Spirit empowers the disciples. The early church is established and the gospel of salvation moves out of Galilee and goes global. And we may say today that the gospel went viral. It went viral. And so I actually think it's very appropriate that we return to the book of Acts after celebrating Easter last week. And so we begin Acts chapter 18 with two words after this. And if you haven't read Acts chapter 17 in the last eight weeks, you may actually say what Kena said. After what? After what? What have I missed? Um, I'm not suggesting that you had to read uh, Acts chapter 17 before you got here this morning. But I think it's important that I just give you a very, very brief backstory because it's important to the story that we pick up in chapter 18 and perhaps helps us understand a bit, ma a bit more about where Paul was emotionally and spiritually at the beginning of Acts chapter 18. So let's just go back. Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10, Paul had a night vision where he saw a man of Macedonia begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And Paul shared this vision with his companions, and they were in agreement that God was calling them to Macedonia and preach the gospel there. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. However, Paul had been forced to leave one Macedonian city after another. And even in Athens, Paul made a few converts uh, but his preaching about the resurrection of the dead was not taken seriously. It was considered absurd. It was considered undesirable. In fact, Martin preached on Acts chapter 17 and gave it the title, Some Will and Some Won't. Some Won't. And that was pretty much Paul's experience. And after responding to a very clear appeal to preach the gospel, 
Paul may well have begun to wonder if this call for him to go to Macedonia had been God's will for him. But in time, Paul would see that this call was God's will. But more of that later. For the time being, Paul must have been very dejected. So that's the bit that's included in there after this, okay? So three points. Paul is down. We join Paul in Corinth in chapter 18. He's down. Some commentators have even suggested that the Apostle Paul was depressed. Paul, you may say, that great Christian leader, that missionary, that evangelist, that establisher of the early church, Paul, surely not. I mean, we don't expect Christians to get down, do we? But Christian leaders getting down. But why not? I mean, it's the reality, isn't it, really? But can I just say something here? If you've journeyed through your Christian life, no matter how short or how long it is, and you've never felt let down by God, and you've never doubted his guidance, even when it hasn't turned out as you expected, I've got two things to say to you. The first is, I really, really admire you. I do. The second thing is, I'm intensely jealous of you. Because that's not how it's been for me. I've had conversations with God when I've said, but Lord, I've done exactly as you said. So why hasn't it turned out as I expected? Why hasn't it run smoothly? Why are you making it so difficult, God? And for me, being a Christian doesn't mean we will avoid disappointment or feeling let down. But let's go back to Paul, because this isn't about me this morning. Paul had a life-changing experience on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. God told a disciple called Ananias to visit Paul. And I'm sure you remember, Ananias wasn't particularly keen. Uh, He was very reluctant, Um, understandably, understandably. He knew about Paul. Paul had got some history. But God is insistent and tells Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 16, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So what do we know of Paul's suffering? 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28, Paul writes, I have been in prison, been flogged, exposed to death again and again, Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews 
in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all my churches. That's Paul's suffering in just a few verses. That is alarming and gives us an insight into the toll that Paul's work would have taken on him. And Paul came to Corinth in trepidation. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul writes, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. A bit like me this morning, actually, if I'm honest. Um, I'm here in weakness, in great trembling this morning. We see here that Paul had been compelled to leave each Macedonian city he had visited and his message had been received in Athens with apathy. So what could he expect in the city of Corinth? He's down. Second point, the value of Christian friendship. Soon after his arrival in Corinth, Paul received great encouragement Hooray. when he met a Christian couple called Priscilla and Aquila. They were to become firm friends for the rest of his life. You check them out in Romans chapter 16, verses 3 to 5. And Paul was able to live with them, to work with them, and go to worship with them. And even though Paul was down... He still went to the synagogue each week, and that's important. This relationship with Aquila and Priscilla was very important to Paul. In fact, actually all relationships are important. We are made in God's image. We worship a God who is a God of relationship. He's a Trinitarian God. He's the God incarnate who came down at Christmas and, and wants to have a relationship with us. So relationships matter. And particularly as Christians, how we relate to one another is very important. And perhaps we, we may want to think at some point this week of those who have come alongside us when we've been struggling and we have valued their Christian friendship. The temptation can actually be to avoid people who are down, isn't it? Just avoid, oh, they're always miserable, they've always got a problem, I always give them a wide berth. I remember a couple, let's call them uh, Jim and Jean. Jim was bedridden for four years at home before he died. And during that time, none of the people he worked with ever came and visited him. 
And when Jim died, his work colleagues offered Jean their condolences. And they said they never came to visit Jim because they didn't know what to say. And I have to say to you that Jean was very, very gracious with these people. But she shared her disappointment with me. If only they'd just popped their head round the door and said hello. Or stopped by for a coffee. Or brought round the paper and chatted about the football on the back page. That was all they needed to do. But they stayed away. And maybe what keeps people away is that they are afraid they can't answer the questions that may crop up in that conversation. Or feel inadequate because they can't change the situation. I heard it said once, people don't care how much you know, but they need to know how much you care. One of my tutors remarked that Job's comforters were doing a great job until they opened up the mouths. Okay? Getting alongside Job was absolutely spot on. They got it spot on. But when they started saying, well, Job, you know why this has happened to you, don't you? They weren't being helpful at all. It's not about rocket science. It's about compassion. And I don't know about you, but I can live with unanswered questions. But I can't live without compassion. So how we treat one another is important. Getting alongside one another is important. And let's not forget the grace of God here, who doesn't abandon us when we feel down, when we doubt, when we struggle, when we feel vulnerable. We worship a God who cherishes us in our vulnerability. So relationships matter, and this relationship mattered to Paul. So our third point, he's down, but he's not out, our Paul. He worked as a tent maker during the week and went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And Paul prided himself on being self-supporting. He didn't exercise his right to be maintained by his churches and was able to preach the gospel free of charge. And then Timothy and Silas arrived from Macedonia, another important relationship. And they joined Paul and they brought him a gift, a gift of money from the churches, which is, was an expression of their love and faith the love and faith that they had for Paul and the love and faith they had for the gospel. And it was such a generous gift from the churches that Paul was able to devote himself entirely to his preaching. And so he gave up his tent making and he really went for it. He really did. And he continued to reason in the synagogue that the Messiah of whom the prophet spoke was in fact Jesus Christ. But once again, he faced opposition, severe opposition. 
However, in verse 9 of chapter 18, we read that Paul was encouraged by God. He was encouraged in a dream to stay right where he was, to stay in Corinth, and to teach the people the word of God. Ah, another night vision. Remember what happened when Paul had one asking him to go over to Macedonia? But this time, the misgivings and fears with which Paul had come to Corinth were dispelled. And in all, he spent 18 months in Corinth. So when he traveled to Macedonia, Paul probably had no thought of visiting Corinth. And in any, any case, the chances of finding acceptance for his message in such a place would have seemed very slender. So let me tell you a little bit about Corinth. I don't think it's somewhere you want to go on holiday. The city of Corinth was one of the most important trading and commercial centers of the ancient world. It was prosperous and it was a cosmopolitan city, described by one commentator as the Piccadilly Circus of the ancient world. Not only was Corinth important as a trading center, but it was famous for its leisure as well. It was notorious for its sexual immorality, prostitution, drunkenness, and debauchery. To Corinthianize meant something like, go to the devil. Corinth was the center for the worship of the goddess Aphrodite, whose temple had a thousand sacred prostitutes. There was a temple to the god of sailors. There was a temple to Apollo, a temple to a god of healing, plus many more pagan shrines. And God said to Paul, we're going to build a church right here because we've got some kingdom business to do here. I paraphrase, but that's the essence of it, you know? The Lord had many people in this city, and it was for Paul to bring them together to faith, to church fellowship. And Paul may have started by feeling down, but he wasn't out. He wasn't out. There was a phrase I came across a few years ago. Wherever I went, I heard it everywhere. I don't know if you've heard it. See what God is doing and join in. Have you heard it? See what God is doing and join in. And people were saying it all over the place. And I thought, it sounds fantastic. But what does it mean? That was me. I said, what does it mean? It sounds great. And, and if you've got it, that's great. But I spend most of my life on a different wavelength to everybody else. And I had to go away and think about this. And this is how I understand it. When we are looking for where God is working, we are going to see him in the most unlikeliest of places, okay? We'd have seen him, we think, oh, I wasn't expecting to see him there. We perhaps wouldn't expect to see him in Corinth uh, during Paul's time. But let me give you two examples. The Alpha Course has been extremely successful. One of the places it has made a difference in people's lives is in prison. 
Prisoners have found God and want to continue following him and worshipping him in our local churches when they are released. But let us not forget, there are some convicts who have come to Christ who will never be released, who are learning what it means to be a disciple within that context. God's working in that place. Secondly, I remember Bishop Graham Cray, a team leader of Fresh Expression, sharing that God had opened up for a Christian woman the opportunity to minister the gospel in a brothel. She's been trusted by the house that they come from, and the madam thinks she's a good thing because she's good for the girls. And she's trying to help them take steps to become disciples for Jesus Christ. See where God is working and join in. And with those two examples, if you think, well, I'm not really sure what to make of that, let me share with you some words from a wonderful hymn, There's a Wideness in God's Mercy. One of the verses says this, but we make God's love too narrow by false limits of our own. And we magnify his strictness with a zeal he will not own. We've already sung this morning, grace sufficient, grace for me, grace for all who will believe. So Paul has been on a journey in chapter 18. Not just a physical journey, but a spiritual one too. And on the face of it, taking the gospel to a place like Corinth didn't bode very well. Corinth, notorious for its lack of morals, and Paul was down. And although his mission did not appeal to the Jews, Paul's message of the gospel of Jesus Christ was embraced by the Gentiles. And Paul could not have known how long he would have stayed in Corinth. In fact, other than Ephesus, Corinth was the place where he stayed longest. Yet it was in this place that Paul planted a large and gifted church. And so this is such an inspiring passage of scripture. And I know that I have only picked out some of the highlights in chapter 18. But I want you to be encouraged by this chapter. Not to write yourself off if you're feeling down. To know that God cherishes us and will bring us through. That we still have a part to play in his kingdom work. And corporately... May we have the courage to ask God how to do his kingdom business in this place, in this cosmopolitan city. And when we see what God is doing and join in, not to limit God, but to be prepared, to be surprised, to be excited where that may take us. Amen. And so we come before God in prayer. Let us pray.
And we're just speaking with a few moments of silence, remembering that God is in this place and that God is always with us. Lord Jesus, you came that we may have life life in all its fullness and we thank you so much for that but there are times when we struggle when we feel down and to be honest lord we don't even like to admit it we feel ashamed but we need to be honest with you we thank you that you are a faithful god and even though we struggle sometimes to hold onto you, you never stop holding onto us. And so we pray for your love, for your comfort, for renewal in your Holy Spirit. And may we never lose sight of how precious we are to you. And as we reflect upon your kingdom business, Lord, we give you thanks for the launch of the healing rooms yesterday. We give you thanks for the volunteers and we hold before you those who came. We praise you for that vision, for the inspiration of your Holy Spirit and for empowering and equipping the team. We pray for the Alpha course beginning this Thursday. As we continue to be salt and light in this part of your city, help us to serve you as you lead us forward. And for the membership classes which begin today, Lord, and for all those who will be present as they explore membership, we ask that you will be with them and in the midst. And we offer ourselves to you this morning. May we be prepared to be amazed and surprised as we do kingdom work, not only for you, Lord, but with you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we sing together our final hymn, Will You Come and Follow Me? Only you can answer that. No one can answer that for you. But if during this hymn you are feeling down and you feel you need that touch of God's care and you want to come 